Welcome to the Spanish Arpada. I'm Sarah. And I am Peter. And we are ranking and reviewing all of the rulers of Spain from Leo the Guild to Felipe VI. And yes. this week, second one in this week, we are going to be reviewing Sisibut. All right. This is going to be way more interesting than our last one. So if you listen well, to- Well, it pretty much would have to be. It would it? pretty much have <laughs> to be, yes. Sisibut is the guy who takes over when Gundamar, our last king, dies of a natural death after ruling only two years. Right. And just so I'm not embarrassing myself, could we get a spelling on this? Sisibut. S-I-S-E-B-U-T. How close pretty close. Uh, I was uh, S-I-S-I-B-U-T, so I feel pretty good about myself, Pretty good. Pretty good. Now, when it comes to sources, we are mostly just with Isidore and Fredegar again this episode. But Fredegar did actually say something. Thing. We actually have Fredegar talking. Talking about nice. it. So we, we have a little bit more, more stuff, but just those two. Mm-hmm. And we are getting to the end of Isidore, actually. So uh, we are not mm-hmm. going to have Isidore for much longer. Okay. All right. But we have him for this one. So let's go over Sisyphus' biography. Okay. Now, Sisabut is another super Catholic noble that takes the throne in the aftermath of Witteric's rebellious reign. He is a little different from the previous Catholic monarchs, though, because he is an educated Catholic goth. Oh, all right. Reparad- super different from the earlier. My immediate, I immediately go to, you mean he was sincere? Okay. He was. He was very sincere. Now, okay. Reparad, Liuva II, and Gundamar were all Catholic. But I don't get the sense that they, for example, knew Latin very well. Right. Or that they could opine on religious orthodoxy on the fly. Right, right. This is sort of still the era when uh, a lot of local Catholics had been converted by Christians who had basically told them, oh, no, 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 you can keep all of your local gods. You just have to name them after saints. Okay. Yeah, but Sisyphus is different. He grows up Catholic. Ah, okay. We're a whole generation removed from Recorid's reign at this point. Aha. Uh-huh. This means that Sisabut is not only educated in Latin and in church mm-hmm. doctrine, but his teacher when he was growing up is Isidore of Seville. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, maybe Isidore has mentioned him a little bit then. <laughs> yes. Isidore is the one who wrote the history that we've been using. Right. And it's very probable that Sisabut commissioned Isidore to write this history in the first place. Although, given the relationship between teachers and students, this either means that he's going to be very complimentary or very... Um, like, rate my professor, right? Yes, rate my professor. First of but, all, let's talk author. about the fact that he made me do homework. I mean, you oh, know, he made me do homework. Just monster. Sure. We do okay. know that Sisabut sponsors several other of Isidore's works, so... Oh, okay. All right. Well, you know, cha-ching. In that case, I think we know whether or not it would be complimentary. Complimentary, right. Okay. Right. So this gives Sisabut's reign, which begins in the year 612, after Gundamar mm-hmm. the Forgettable dies. Right. It gives it a different flavor than, say, Recorrents. Sisabut was pious, and I mean really pious. Oh, dear. It's the kind of pious you simply just can't keep to yourself. Oh, that kind of pious. Yeah. I just spent three weeks at Christian camp and now I've come back and we're going to have a talk. Yeah, it's the kind of pious that causes you to meddle in everyone and their mother's business. Oh, the fun kind of pious. Yep, okay. And because he's educated and can read and write Latin very well, that gives him the ability to meddle in people's business from afar. Oh. Yeah, because he can write them letters. There's nothing more appealing 
than a busybody you've never met. Yes. Uh, now he gets a lot of praise for his piety and meddling. You know, Isidore okay, okay. calls him merciful, Fredegar calls him wise, mm-hmm. but you know the expression, every cloud has a silver lining? Sure. Sisabuk kind of epitomizes the opposite of that expression. Aha. Uh-huh. Like every good intention has something underlying it. Right. That's not exactly pious. And also, you know, every educated person contains a know-it-all. Yeah. So let's take a look okay. at Sisabuk's career as chief piety meddler. Okay. All right. So first, not long after he becomes king in 612, he writes a letter to the Bishop of Tarragona. This is a guy named Eusebius. Sisyphus wants to meddle in the appointment of bishops here. Eusebius- This will make him very popular with the church hierarchy. Well, Eusebius is the metropolitan in Tarragona, and that means he has the authority to name other bishops in his area, right? Gotcha. But in this letter, Sisyphus scolds Eusebius for not appointing the person he wanted as the Bishop of Barcino. Then Sisyphus orders Eusebius to consecrate his own choice as bishop, which Mm -hmm. just so happens to be the person who is delivering the letter to Eusebius. Uh Uh-huh. Really? writes the letter, gives it to the guy that he wants to be bishop, and then has Mm -hmm. that guy deliver the letter to Eusebius. Deliver the letter. And stand there while Eusebius reads it. Reads the letter. (laughs) The letter literally says, make the person delivering this letter to the Bishop of Barcino. How awkward must that have been? Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely having to be the person to arrive with the pink slip. Yeah, no, ouch. Yeah, this is what I mean by piety, but also something else that I can't quite put my finger on. Right. Political savvy, maybe. I, I don't think it's necessarily savvy. I think it's more a degree of control freakishness. If you believe you are the most Catholic person ever, that means that you don't trust anyone else to be Catholic enough. I guess. And there's going to, and yeah, no, I think I think this is definitely a matter of, of control freakishness. And I will just say somewhere out there, Thomas Beckett is saying, you know, when the king wants to meddle, just, just let him meddle. Uh, <laughs> don't stand up. <laughs> right. Well, Eugenius, the bishop, is actually a frequent correspondent of Sisyphus, actually. Okay. In okay. another letter ex- extract, Sisyphus reprimands Eusebius for his frivolity. <laughs> you <laughs> want to know bishop. what Sisyphus found so frivolous? What did he do? Whistle in the street? Eusebius, <laughs> go ahead. Eusebius loved to go to the theater. Oh, well, we all know what happens there. This seems to be an opinion that Sisyphus got from Isidore because Isidore also didn't like the theater or people who went to the theater. (sighs) Right, right. (laughs) All right. So Sisyphus takes a quick break from meddling in other people's lives in late Mm -hmm. 612 because there's an uprising in Asturias. There's a tribe there called the Rucones and they are in revolt in one of the isolated pockets of Northwest Spain. Okay. So Sisyphus sends his generals, Richila and Suintila, to deal with the uprising, and they do, handily. Okay. So there's a check in the wind box there. Good. Back to piety meddler. Oh, no. Sisyphus then writes another letter. Oh, no. This time it's to a man named Theodila. He is considering uh-huh. becoming a monk, and Sisyphus is very encouraging of this plan. He tells Theodila that becoming a monk is a great idea. Of course it is. Well, now, at least he's endorsing someone else's impulse go ahead well it's interesting you say that because the question arises why is this letter remembered so well like Uh 
Why did we keep yeah. this? Yes, a little curious. Two reasons. First of all, it's a departure from Winterick, who couldn't care less about church matters. Right. And a return to a more recurrent like integration with the church. Right. I don't know if you remember, I mentioned a similar letter that Recorred answered about yes, I yes. had questions about becoming a monk, right? Right. So there's that. But there's a deeper reason why this letter was preserved. Theodila? Yes. He's Sisabut's illegitimate son. Oh, yikes! <laughs> oh, wow. So oh, not my... only would it be great to become a monk because that's very pious, oh. but also now you won't be hanging around trying to become king, will you? Oh, I feel that in my stomach. Oh, that's <laughs> this so... is what I mean. This it's is what I so mean about slimy. Oh, every so every creepy. cloud has a silver lining, right? Every oh. pious act has oh. a deeper a deeper oh. meaning. Yeah. Oh God. Okay. I'm just, uh, oh, I want to go lie down. Oh, let's, um, let's, let's get, a, get away from meddling for a bit. And okay, please. He takes another break from being a busybody. Uh-huh. Yes, of course. And he goes to war against the Cantabrians and the Basques. Wait, he went to war against the Basques? Yes, he did. <laughs> he did? I mean, Gundamar said that he devastated them, but apparently. My notes now read, War with Basques? Question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point, question mark, exclamation point. Nice. Okay. <laughs> now, we're not sure how these battles shook out. Like, we don't know who won okay. or lost. But we know sure. that Sisibut is at these battles in person because in 613, he writes a poem about eclipses, which mentions that he's watching the fighting from the Visigothic fleet. All right. Now, A, full marks for being there in person. Very sound, looks good. To be second, if you've got time to write a poem about an eclipse, yeah, you're not really paying attention to what is important at the moment. He he wrote the poem to Isidore. He dedicated it to Isidore. So. Of course he did. Of course he did. What, would you like a quote from the translation? It's not in poetic meter. Uh, oh, I'd love it. Okay, so here's here's what Sisyphus <laughs> writes. Quote. We hear nothing other than the inconvenient noise of iron and the shouts of thousands of soldiers. The exhortations Ah! of the general rouse us and the clamors of war resound in the forum. The trumpets blare and we fly over the water. The Basque comes from the snows and the Cantabrian from his mountains and they give us no rest. But it is precisely us who are ordained to surround our foreheads with the laurels of the sun and to braid the most august ivy into our hair. Okay. I will just say that somewhere around the inconvenient noise of iron, I reached (laughs) through the shadowy veil and punched him right in the face. You don't call it inconvenient. Uh, I mean, maybe that's not the best translation. I hope not. But it's interesting because he he saw the battle and he saw it from a ship. He clearly saw it from a ship. No yes. one has mentioned the Visigothic fleet before. So this oh, is- probably not. This is this is a first. All right. Well, I mean, I'm glad that they're shipbuilding, but man, does this smell like a guy on a yacht. Um, <laughs> it is a little yachty, isn't it? It really smells like he's a yacht guy. You know oh, what it reminds yeah. me of? People mm. during the Civil War who would climb yes, the up picnics. to another- and have Oh, picnics. the picnics at Bull Run. Oh yeah. God, those horrible people. Yes. Yes. That that's is, what that it, is that's what it is. That's what it is. Okay. Uh-huh. Boy, he is going to take a major hit in Conquistador. Okay. Uh, <laughs> All right. All right. In the year 615, he goes back to his pious meddling. Oh no. 
Sisyphus decides he wants to write a saint's life. So he right. ends the life of Saint Desiderius. Saint Desiderius is a French saint. They call him Didier de Vienne. So it seems like a strange choice for a Spanish monarch. Why not write about a Spanish saint? Why not write right. about Masona or Hermenegild? Sure. Uh, well, I'll tell you why. Okay. I have a translation of the life of Saint Desiderius, and here's a choice quote from section four. Mm-hmm. Quote. At that time, Theoderic, a man of extreme stupidity, ruled Matilda, <laughs> a woman who enthused over the worst vices and was a great friend to the wicked, end quote. Oh, good Lord. Yeah. All right, then. So he chose this saint to write about because he gets to insult the Frankish monarchy at the same time because they were Desiderius's persecutors. Man. Again, we come back to, is it possible for you to maybe be a good person and not be the worst at the same time. It's hilarious because, you know, when I started researching this episode, everyone's right. like, oh, it's very pious, very wise. And I thought, oh, this is going to be boring. And the right. more I read about him, I was like, oh man, no, he's pretty slimy, isn't he? This is awful. Yeah, no, this is, is kind of wonderful. Yeah, okay. no, it, it's, this is this is good. This is good. I like this. And then we come to the year 614, 615. This, this okay. is a landmark couple of years for Sisabut because it is here okay. that he pulls off an almost total conquest of the Byzantines. Oh, wow. Yeah. All right. General Suintila is the star of these two campaigns. And the biggest take mm-hmm. they get is the city of Malaga on the southern coast. So they take it in insane amount of land from, from the Byzantines mm-hmm. in, in mm-hmm. two successive campaigns. Okay. Despite his victories, though, Sisabut really hates war. He's not a fan. Fredegar reports that Sisabut says, quote, woe is me that my reign should witness so great a shedding of human blood, end quote. Oh, wow. Yeah. And so apparently it was brutal. Again, somewhere in the great beyond, Leovigild is screaming. Yes. But after two straight successful campaigns, the Byzantine governor, Carcerius, appeals to Sisabut to stop the shedding of so much Catholic blood. He's oh, like, oh, okay. we can't. It's, it's too much. Appealing uh, he to offers up a, Yeah. He <laughs> offers up a prisoner exchange to seal the deal and Sisabut agrees. All right. So the Byzantines do remain on the Iberian Peninsula, but they are extremely okay, so vegan. All right. All right. So speaking of Brunhilde, which we did in oh, the last... Story, oh my God. Oh my God. Yes. Sisabut <laughs> has not given up on that old alliance that Witteric began. Oh, God, he's not going to marry her, is he? He's not. But okay. in 616, he writes another meddling letter to Adalowald. He is the king uh-huh. of the Lombards. Right. Adalowald was baptized Catholic, probably at the insistence of his mother. But his father was Agilulf, who is the Aryan king that Gundamar and Witteric had allied with. Oh, right. Remember how okay. they brought him the yes, Lombards? Yes, 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 right. And the king of the Lombards. For whatever reason, yeah, just because the Lombards were, you know, not doing anything that weekend. Yes. I I guess. Mm -hmm. So Adalawald is the son of an Aryan who was baptized Catholic. Right. So Sisabut wants to make sure that Adalawald remains Catholic and he stamps out Arianism in Northern Italy. So Uh, he writes him a letter. Because that's his business. Oh, good Lord. E.A. Thompson writes in The Goths in Spain that mm. uh, Sisabert tries, quote, without tact to fully convert Adalwald. Putting it mildly. It doesn't really work. Adalwald pretty much just ignores this entire letter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This, yeah. Is, uh, this is your neighbor coming from three blocks over to give you advice about your Christmas decorations. Yes. Um, 
No, no, okay, all right. Now, is it about this time that Sisyphus has a legitimate son? Yeah. Oh, finally. finally. Oh, good for you, you pious, pious man. Well done. We have no idea who the mother is. Her name is not recorded. But Sisyphus names his son Recorred. Nice, oh, pious name. It's never good when we don't have a record of who the mother is. Well, There's it, never a good story behind it. You well, know this. yeah. But he is a legitimate son. And now that right. his illegitimate son is a monk, he's, he's set for his succession. Right, right. I was going to say the inconvenienced child has been... <clears throat> excused into a life of quiet contemplation yeah and now we have somebody named Recared, which of course is a good catholic name nice catholic you know, name. Recared. yes okay good good then oh no sisyphus dies in extremely mysterious circumstances Ooh. okay how so <laughs> isidore who was there writes that yeah. he oh. dies quote a natural death or mm -hmm. as the result of an overdose of some medicine, end quote. Oh. Which, huh? You, you don't Isidore know? says he died a natural death while wiping his hands. What exactly? All right. What's, <sighs> all See, right. This has led many scholars to wonder if Sisibut was poisoned. You think? Yeah. In addition, Sisibut's son, Rekared, who is younger than five years old at this point, he mm -hmm. is immediately crowned as Recared II. Okay. But he dies within a few days of rule. Oh, really? Oh, really? Oh, really? Okay. Yes. I so, mean, yes, yes, we are living in a time when disease is rampant and yes. medicine is mostly let's cut off parts of you until the bleeding stops. But th it this is very, still, this is sketchy as hell very sketchy the chronicle of 654 which was written 130 years later as you can tell right from the name mm -hmm. it states that recorred the second ruled for three months oh okay well even so we're not going to cover him because their entire comment about recorred the second is quote there is nothing worthy to report oh thank god I so we're not reviewing say, him i've already told you everything i know about recorred the second i was gonna say i i I can't do no medigas for a baby. No, yeah, he was he was a baby, and he died not long after his father died. Right, suspiciously. Right, I was going to say this is a natural death, provided the word "natural" is in quotation marks right. and followed with a winking emoji. Yeah, basically, the, if the story is there's this guy who was a complete, <clears throat> shall we say less than delightful person who spent his entire life interfering with others in a you know usually slimy and underhanded way and then he died mysteriously there's nothing mysterious about it no he mysteriously <laughs> took too much medicine i mean right. what what mm -hmm. Yeah, somebody walked him into the room of knives and poison. Okay. Anyway, right. Sweet yeah. Tila, who was the wildly successful general who beat the Rubens yes. in the Byzantines, he mm -hmm. succeeds to the throne next. Okay. Yeah. Sure. So that's going to be next. All right. So that is the life of Sisyphus. That was better. That was yep. much better. Yes, much better. All right. Conquistadores. Okay. You weren't impressed um, at the beginning, you know, of him watching the Basque War from his yacht. Right. Which very, I very, very unimpressive. But, 
but, but then he the, almost completely wiped out the Byzantines on Byzantines, the which, Yeah, I mean, this is this is really tough. It is he is one half utterly contemptible and one half genuinely impressive. And um, he had some good generals, you know, so he yes. really took care of the Rukones. And right, it, right. Yeah, it, it seems like he, right. he managed the the wariness of his reign right. really well. Yes, and, and he gained and back territory. He gained back territory exactly. The the you know, the borders were further away from him at the end of his reign and that's you know we've gotta we've gotta give him marks there and it is worth pointing out that if he that he is he was still at least there near the fighting with the basques so i mean i'm actually gonna give him fairly good marks for this yeah, one i i think i can really say about the byzantine campaign is mm-hmm. that he really had a shot to give the final blow and get them down. right and, and didn't and he decided that's, that's, to stop that's probably the piety thing uh, working piety against thing. him. Yeah, the Byzantines, you know, played the Catholic card yeah. as you do when yeah, you have and to. Yeah, good on them, but you right. know, he, he could have gotten the whole. Yeah, whole yeah, blood. right. Leovigild again, screaming from the great beyond. I will give him a six, and okay. really, I'm only, I'm only taking, and I'm taking off points because of the the damn poem, the poem, and the inconvenience of iron. I mean, just no, no, you. You get a six, that's all. I mean, you know, if you write a perfect, the way I think of it is if I'm grading a student's essay and they throw in a dirty limerick right in the middle of it, you're not getting an A. Um, but... <laughs> I think I'm going to give him a five. Okay. Uh, I'm, right. I'm very impressed. I just yes. wish he would have just gone for it and taken care of the Byzantines. I agree. I agree. Pulled back at the last second. Yeah. Um, but That's so, an yeah. 11 for Conquista. All right. That's pretty good. Next mm-hmm. section is No Me Digas. What scandalous and gossipy things did he do? Obviously, urging his illegitimate son to become a monk mm-hmm. is so exquisitely slimy. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah, I mean, that Sending is... the guy you want for a job to yeah, the boss is... telling him to... Right. So then the boss has to say no to the guy's face. Right. That That's is some Shonda Rhimes level sliminess. That is, you know, something like that would happen on one of her shows. I'm really, I'm really impressed with just how vile that was. Well, you're um, going to be even more impressed because I have some more information to share for this. Oh, good. Okay. Unfortunately, we have to go back and talk about anti-Jewish laws. Oh, yeah. No. Okay. Now, we saw the beginnings of anti-Jewish legislation in Recorette's canons in the Third Council of Toledo. Yes, we did. This is restrictions on Jewish Christian marriages. Right. For holding public posts. Right. No, no Christian slaves to be owned by Jews, etc. Yes. Mm-hmm. And after those laws were passed, Liuva, Witterick, and Gundamar promptly shoved the papers in a back closet and did not enforce them. Okay, good. Yeah. Fair. Yeah, they, good. It, it seems pretty obvious that these laws were not very popular among the Spanish population. Right. You know? Right. Considering how little they were enforced. Exactly. Okay. Sisabut hates this. He oh, hates no. that these laws have not been enforced. Oh, so he no. enacts an official set of laws, uh-huh. as well as puts some things into practice that did not have full sanction regarding uh, Jewish people. Uh-huh. So let's start with the laws. Anytime you look at anti-Semitic laws and say they don't go far enough. Yeah. So um, the law, the laws that he puts in, and he does uh-huh. this almost immediately. We're talking 612. Uh-huh. Okay. The laws go one step further than recorrects. 
They forbid any Jewish person from owning a Christian slave entirely and mandate that Jews must sell any Christian slave they own to a local Christian or they have to free the slave. <laughs> and they had to do it. Creepy and weird. All right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. The, the reason that it had to be sold to a local Christian is because Sisabut was worried that a Jewish person who had a Christian slave would sell that slave to uh, like a family member in Egypt or something. Ah, okay. Take, I take see. the person completely away from their homeland. That had to lead to some really awkward conversations. Yeah. Uh, as in, hey, you need so you need a guy? Like, well, not not particularly. I mean, but you're Christian, right? Well, yeah. Well, uh, here, take a guy. I, yeah, I, I'd really kind of rather awkward. rather not. Look, it's either that or I got to let him go. And meanwhile, the slave is thinking, I, I'd really like that option. That would be yeah, good. Yeah, how about we go with that? <laughs> we could go with that. That would be cool. Shut up, you. Look. Yeah. <laughs> now, these sales had to be done before June 1st, 612. So it was immediately uh, in the rain. Uh, oh, yeah. All right. Uh, okay. The laws also harshened the penalty for anyone who was caught proselytizing the Jewish faith. Was there much proselytizing of the Jewish faith? That's I'm really... not sure. It really surprised me to read that, it. But anybody that's... who converted to Judaism would be yeah. whipped, have their uh -huh. head shaved, and then become enslaved. Sure, sure. I hear that. That's but I don't horrible. know how often it happens. But Jews don't proselytize. No, really. That's, this is why that's it, not it a thing. Me. Yeah. No, no. Okay. So um, I, again, this falls into the category of, okay, and while you're at it, it's also illegal to, I don't know, ride on a Martian's shoulders on Sunday. I mean, right. it's not a thing. Yeah. The, the law also harshened a records law on mixed marriages. Oh, dear. So if the Jewish partner did not convert to Christianity, he or she would be exiled for life. Oh, okay. okay. So we have a harshening of the laws from the Third Council of Toledo. Uh, okay. But then Sisibo didn't stop there. Four years uh, later, Sisibo began forcibly converting Jews. Not oh, criminy. Oh, criminy. Oh, yeah. no. No, 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 yeah. no, no. So it wasn't just people who were in mixed marriage or the children of a mixed marriage. It was just forcible conversion of Jews. Ouch. We don't uh -huh. have any idea how these forced conversions came about, but I'm uh -huh. sure we can imagine. Not too recent past, we have had people stripped naked and dunked in a font. So right. that is true. That's, that's a pattern. Now, um, this, this was the most controversial of Sisabut's anti-Jewish actions. And gosh, I oh, this probably the reason that he didn't get a council of the church or of the nobles to sign off on this as a law is because uh -huh. forcible conversion is strictly forbidden by the Catholic Church. Yeah. 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 Okay. So it's not exactly okay to do. No. No. Well, just in any respect. Well, okay. yes. But I, in fact, uh, there are several incidents of local clergy or nobles helping Jews keep their property and shunning those who converted to Christianity so that conversion would not seem attractive to other Jews. Oh, well, so they were basically doing nice. the exact opposite of what Sisibut wanted. You do like to see that. Right. But, so it was not popular. And there's right. a reason that he didn't enshrine it in law. But this falls into the category of, and many of people in Copenhagen hid Jews in their attic. Well, I'm glad, but I'm also horrified that it was necessary. Well, yeah, you, resistance only goes so far. Right. The Fourth Council of Toledo is coming up, and it's going to oh, look okay. back on Sisibut's actions and condemn them, restating oh, that forced conversions are not okay. 
Okay. However, never, never mind, not very effective. Well, however, those Jews who had converted, even by force, would have to remain Christians for the rest of their lives or be punished as backsliders if they return to the practices uh, of their heritage. This is going to be one of those episodes where I have to curl up in a ball afterwards. Okay. Anyway, right. so that's probably the most scandalous and controversial bit of Sisybut's reign. Yeah, I'm starting to wish he had just had a few more illegitimate children that he encouraged mm. to go into the remote clergy. This is yeah. bad. All right. Well, it certainly gets him extra points. I guess it does. Uh, but again, points doesn't mean you're a good king or a good No, person. no, no. But on the other hand, we are talking about the first Spanish monarch who encouraged the forced conversion of Forcible Jewish people. Yeah. And that's going to lead us down a road. Yeah, it is. <sighs> My stomach hurts. Okay. Um, I'm Well, between that and the sliminess and the writing the letter to the Lombardy, that was just, he's so bad um okay i'm gonna i'm there's not you know genocide no there's no genocide but and this although he had an illegitimate child there's not a lot of stories about him you know having dalliances right i'm thinking six that's what i was thinking too a six yeah i'm thinking six six yeah Let's move on to orthodoxia. How religious were they? He's one of our more pious kings. Yes. But not everything he did was completely orthodox. Right? No. He used a saint's life to throw shade at his enemies. Right, right. So I mean, that kind of tells weirdly, you about his, his pious character. What he really symbolizes to me, and I should, lis- I should be listening to our friends doing the Pope's... The Pontifex, thank you. I should be listening to Pontifex. I don't know where we are yet in Vatican culture mm-hmm. vis-a-vis the point at which the job of cardinal, the job of pope, became divided between one half absolutely spiritually oriented piety and one half utterly slimy politicking for hypocritical reasons. I don't think um, we're quite at the politicking part yet. Right, right. Which to me gives us a sense of this man is a trailblazer mm-hmm. because the ability to clothe utterly venal politics, utterly venal self-interest mm-hmm. in the indoctrinal polity. No, my my illegitimate son, you must become a monk because it is the right thing for you to do. Yes. That is some if you want to use the word Catholic in a pejorative term, that is some seriously Catholic behavior. Yeah. So so weirdly, I'm inclined to give him very high marks for orthodoxia. Well, it's interesting because I'm not. Okay. All right. We might split keep, on this one. I keep coming back to the matter of the forced Jewish conversions. This was oh, oh. forbidden by the Catholic Church. You are oh, not meant okay. to You're force. right. You're right. You are not meant to force someone to convert to Christianity because then you can't yes. be sure whether the person is actually saved. Right. Right. So that they won't be tortured. Sure. Or no, you're right. There's there's some real Opus Dei nonsense going on here. The right. never mind what the Pope says, we're more Catholic than you. And that's not very Catholic, actually. Right. So no, okay, that is a really good point, And I will it will cost him points with me. But that's I'm gonna sti- cost him points for me because right. that's not the orthodox right. idea. Now, right. for our listeners who are probably thinking of all the times that 
many, many indigenous people were encouraged to convert to Catholicism. Ooh, as in it's, fire is very hot and that's the alternative. So. It's kind of an open question what forced means, mm, right? Mm-hmm, this is something mm-hmm. that's going to be debated a lot over the centuries. Right. At this point, the official belief is that if you threaten to kill somebody or mm-hmm. torture them to get right. them to convert, then that right. is a forced conversion. Right, right. But nobody really thinks about, for example, economic. Right, as in, if you convert to Christianity, I will make you the local leader. Right. Right. Or if you don't convert to Christianity, then I'm going to refuse to sell my goods to you. Right, I will. That's right. I'll starve Mm. you out. Or if you don't convert to Christianity, you can no longer be married to your beloved spouse. Right. Yeah. All of these are elements of force, but they Mm -hmm. weren't really Mm -hmm. considered force when it comes to conversions. I'm reminded of the, the sense that we have as a culture that if you are raped, it's a guy with a knife in an Mm -hmm. alley in the middle of the night. Right. And that's that's not necessarily the case. No, I was there are I, other that's ways exactly, of that's exactly what I was thinking of. There is yeah. there is coercion, there is deception, there is a lot of other things. And I I yeah, absolutely. Well, uh, I think and that's, I think knowing that's well that, that actually makes Sisyphus' actions even worse because it yes. meant that he was literally through pain of death or torture right. getting mm-hmm. people to convert. Right, exactly. And that's really bad. That's really sure. not orthodox at all. Okay. Okay. I will cede this point. I think you're right. Yeah. Okay. So what are you giving? I think I'm going to give him a four because I think he was quite mm-hmm. personally mm-hmm. pious mm-hmm. and quite personally orthodox, but a lot of the things he did were not in line with orthodox yeah. beliefs. I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give him a, a four as well, in part because you know that if he found out that he'd been given a four, it would drive him into it drive a fit. Crazy. It would drive he'd him up the wall. Yes. Screaming heebie-jeebies. Yes. We would be, oh, oh the, the letter would be epic. Yes, it would. Um, and very literate. I mean, to be fair, it would be a very long, well-cited letter. It um, would. You know, but so, we, okay. we would be getting a meddling letter. Yes, 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 very much so. All right. So that's an eight for orthodoxy. Mm. All right, last category, El Resto. What kind right. of other things do we have? Mm-hmm. We do right. have a statue for Sisyphus. It okay. was moved from the royal palace and sent mm. to Toledo. Sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, other cities got these. Sure. I unfortunately only have a side view. Okay. This, but this is Sisyphus. Oh. Again, oh. looking very Roman. Looking very Roman. Very, very Roman. Kind of a mullet. Kind of a mullet. He's very much grown out the back, but kept the front short. Quite pious. Yes. I was going to say, if piety, I mean, he obviously does not skip leg day. You, um, you know what I'm thinking with that right. cloak? I yes. feel like the cloak can represent his piety, but then underneath he's like that right. Roman slimy back dealing. Yes, yes. Person. Good calves, but his socks are dangly. Yeah, I like the statue overall. I think that it it does sort of give a sense of of the front that he presented. But I and you're right, the the cloak that covers up and then sort of exposes at the bottom. Yeah, it's a good. It's a good, yeah, it's it's good. good statue. 
Yeah. All mm -hmm. right. Here's the painting that's in the Prado. Okay. <laughs> oh my God. No, 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 absolutely not. Hardcore. No pass. Well, you don't Wrong. like the X? No F that is not this guy. Also, why does his chest piece have a navel? That's just silly. Ah, I didn't um, even notice that. It's got abs. It does. See the bottom it of got the abs. abs and a navel. He just looks silly as hell. He's got <laughs> a sword and an axe. Yeah, you're right. I mean, he does. and he's cross gartered and they just look silly as hell. No, that is, no, no. He looks like what I think his general Swintila probably Yes, like. exactly. If you told me that was Leuvagild, yeah. I would be like, yeah, absolutely. In fact, that's Leo Vigild on his day off. Absolutely not. That is not a man who wrote a poem about an eclipse on a yacht. That is no. Mm -mm, mm -mm. And there's no piety. I don't see a no, single yeah. cross in that picture. There is not a single cross in there that picture. I am dismally disappointed. We were yeah. doing so well with yeah. these paintings up until, oh, well, I mean, the last few. No, mm -mm, bad, yeah. wrong. Here's a coin. Eh. Eh. it's really sort of a, a an echo of the previous coin there's really not that much there's to really it not that much to say uh, no no disappointed very disappointed. nice statue but everything nice else statue. can go to hell yes everything uh, else can go apart to hell. from the physical culture he rules for nine right. years mm, not too shabby 621 right he has at least two children they right. would the illegitimate son and wreck right now he ordered the church of saint leocadia to be built in toledo Okay. This is where several future councils of Toledo will be held. All right, that's important. So he's he's got that. Uh, he's also the first king so far to leave behind literature, by which I mean the astronomical poem about eclipses. The poem. Yeah. Right. He wrote this to thank Isidore for writing a scientific book called De Natura Rerum. Oh, Isidore okay. had written it about six thirteen, and so okay. the eclipse poem is like, "Hey, I heard you like science stuff." Literally, God. every scholar, every philosopher during this period wrote something called. De Naturum Rerum. Uh -huh. I mean, like every single one of them wrote right. it. Sisibut also leaves behind many letters, yes. as well as the life of St. Desiderius. Okay. And he is the sponsor of Isidore of Seville. So we have Sisibut to thank for not only the history we've been using, but also a whole trove of other scientific and religious writings. Can I ask as someone, did he write in, I assume he wrote in Latin. He did. Okay. And it, I, is, it has been pointed out by several historians and contemporaries of the time that his Latin was pretty good, much better I, than Reparents, for example. Right. I was going to ask how, how good was he? Pretty good. Okay. Um, All right. Not, not the best. You know, you mm. can look at it and be like, oh, this is a little clunky or. Okay. You know, but right. it's, it, he, he was, he did a great job. Okay. Um, and then also he may have been poisoned. That's something, and I'm certainly certain that it probably felt good to whoever administered it, uh -huh. um, but we but we don't know. We don't know for sure. Um, and we can't enjoy it too much because whoever, if he was in point effect killed, then they killed a baby they also soon killed afterwards, a baby. Yeah. and we can't we can't feel good about that, so no. that's sort of spoiled. So that's, that's El Resto. That's, that's El Resto. I like the statue and that's literally all that i like i'm really not inclined to go much above a three i'm surprised you're not more impressed with the poem i'm angry about the circumstances of the poem which it was written. i'm so angry about the circumstances like you know it's like finding out that shakespeare wrote hamlet well at the battle of gettysburg yes it's like 
you have other things to focus on. <laughs> right. I'm going to give him a five because I oh, wow. impressed okay. with the poem. I also All like right. the statue. And I think the church of St. Leocadia is, is pretty cool. Well, I, I forgot. The, no, I forgot the church. The church is, yeah, you're right. The church is going to be important. All right. I'll give him a four. Okay. All right. So I'll give a, him a four, four and a five. That makes a nine. So his total score is 40. He's our highest right. scorer now. Wow. Is yeah. he? He has wow. just edged out Leo Vigil. That seems deeply unfair. Well, he did have all that anti-Jewish legislation. Like his nominating uh, score is pretty it was high. So awful. Yeah. Yeah. I'm well, no, except you know, he did well as Conquistador. And as he well. also did well in Conquistador. Yeah. If he hadn't done yeah. forced conversion, he'd have done really well in Orthodoxia as well. He probably would oh, have. Wow. Yeah. Oh well. So now we have did... one final question. Fuero or fuera? Oh, this is tough. This one is, um, I think this is our first tough one. The other ones yeah, were this is very actually, easy. This is difficult. I'm going to say fuero. Okay. And the reason I'm going to say fuero is it's pretty clear what his priorities were mm -hmm. and he accomplished them. Mm -hmm. The I have to go with, I mean, I don't agree with what he did with his power, right? but, but in terms of steering the ship of state, it went where he wanted it to go. It did. Um, I wish, I honestly, I wish he were more of a fuera. Um, <laughs> I wish that he had not succeeded in several of the things that he succeeded in, but damn it, he did. Yeah, um, I don't much like him personally. No, God, no. He seems insufferable. It's kind of like imagining Dwight Schrute uh, <laughs> as king, where he's awful, but he's oddly good at the job. I'm so, trying yeah. to put my finger on why I have such a negative reaction to Sisibut when I didn't to Leo Vigilt. Leo well, Vigilt was openly more cruel. Yes, I think, I think it's the anti-Semitism for me, really. Yeah. And of course, Leo Vigilt is the only other king that we've had so far who was Fuero. He was. That would be my vote. And I must stress, this cannot be seen as a sign of approval. No, um, this was a really interesting one to research because... Mm -hmm. Everyone says such great things about him in the Chronicles. Right. Mm -hmm. And I knew that he had a lot of military success. Yes. And, but just the more I researched him, the less I liked right. him. Yes, no, he's I, very unlikable. I'm trying not to let that impact my decisions. That's the only way I'm able to do it, is to yeah. basically say, this is not a popularity contest. This is not a matter of approval. This is a question of, was he the king that he wanted to be yeah did he and have that, yeah he was did he have that kinginess is he gonna pick he up the quill sign right. yoel ray yes drop the mic and walk out i i mean he's not just gonna sign yoel ray he's going to preface it with a very long letter but yeah i think he is i just think he i is. think he is too yeah. yeah okay i'm gonna go with that oh it's a you bitter know. pill i think yeah. this might be a little controversial so yeah uh, might be Listeners, let us know what you think. Which yeah, please do. About the fuero. Yeah. Right. You can reach us on Twitter and Facebook at Spanish Arpada. Our Gmail yes. address is SpanishArpada at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. And uh, we've actually gotten an email from somebody saying that they really enjoy learning about Spanish history. So oh, that's nice. Good. All right. Are we I'm ready for recommendations? Yes, we are.
I have a very sort of inspired by your last recommendation of knitting. I was going to I was going to do another book and then I realized I was going to go completely off script and pick something very other. So I am going to recommend not one, but two restaurants in Los Angeles. Okay. This is a very strange thing, but I was thinking about something non- literary that I could recommend. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking about, well, what have you really, really, really enjoyed recently? And came to mind that the Garganelli with Ragu Bolognese in Osteria Mazza in Los Angeles is still one of the best things that I have eaten. And it is exceeded only by the tagliatelle with oxtail ragu, also at Osteria Mazza. Okay. Um, so basically there are two, there are two ragus that I had recently that were amazing. Now, so I will say that if you are in Los Angeles and if you are in the interested in very, very, very high-end Italian cuisine, go to Osteria Mazza. It is really quite splendid. And get the tagliatelle with oxtail ragu. It's one of the best dishes I've ever ordered in a restaurant. Now, having said that, I have just recommended something that I am deeply opposed to, and that is very expensive restaurants. Uh-huh. I, I am deeply offended by very expensive restaurants. I feel that they are deliberately exclusive of the majority of people. I think that everyone should have access to wonderful food. And I think that restaurants that are really very deliberately expensive in the sense that most, the vast majority of people simply cannot afford to eat there. I have a visceral dislike towards those places, which gives you an idea of just how good the food at Austria Matza is. So yes, it, it was great and and very and and angering in the sense that I knew that nobody, most of the people that I went to school with could never afford to eat there. So I'm also going to recommend Chabalita tacos. That is a taco stand that has been in Los Angeles for forever. Mm-hmm. Okay. Their website is primarily in Spanish. Okay. It, it is a place that is, has been sort of an establishment of the perfect hole in the wall place for inexpensive and absolutely amazing Mexican street food for decades and decades and decades. They were a place that stayed open during the LA riots, when all mm. other businesses were closing down, they very sort of defiantly stayed open uh, so that the community would have something positive. And you know, they, they, they were undamaged as a result. So it's good people. It's wonderful food. If you go there, the burritos are classic California style burritos. Get the asada, get the, uh, the uh, cabeza is amazing. The carnitas oh. are wonderful. Um, yeah, it's, it's proper Mexican. Their tortas are wonderful and and none of it is particular and all of it is cheap and all of it is wonderful. If Osteria Matza is outside of your price range and it is, go to Chabalita Tacos. Uh, it's absolutely amazing and it's the kind of food that I utterly endorse uh, as a person with a soul. So there you go. (laughs) Good recommendations. Thank you. I am going to recommend a book. Oh, good. This book is, it's not a new one. It is called Mm -hmm. Bearing the Cross and it is about Martin Luther King and the leadership of the, Mm -hmm. um, the Southern, oh gosh. Southern Baptist. Bearing the Cross, Martin Luther King Jr. and the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. Okay. 
Okay. Yes, it was written back in the 80s by uh, David J. Garrow. It won the mm-hmm. Pulitzer in 1987. Okay. And it is so good. It, okay. It's one of those books where you're reading it before bed and you realize mm-hmm. that the time has come, you have to go to sleep. So right. You wake up for work tomorrow and mm-hmm. you're angry because you want to stay up and keep reading. I it, know that book. Yes, I do. It's been a while mm-hmm. since I've had a yeah. book give me that feeling. Yep. And it's it's so good. It's eminently readable. It's It mm-hmm. starts in the 50s with Rosa Parks, which is where MLK first rose to prominence. And right, right. Uh, the author obviously had access to all of the minutes of the... Uh, of the meetings that they had to continue the Montgomery bus boycott mm-hmm. and it's it's incredibly detailed and it gives you way more insight into Martin Luther King than mm. than you ever get in school mm-hmm. and it also makes it also makes him seem part of the modern world which is something that I never really got when I learned about no it. no sure it's he, he's always taught to us as somebody who is a a fixture of the past of the past uh, someone right? whose whose actions are sort of set in stone and they were always he was always going to do and he was always going to say what he said and did mm-hmm. and they weren't the result of choices in the moment right. um so yeah i like that i, I just like that. i just remember the day that i learned that martin luther king met michelle nichols from star trek oh yes and in, told her you and have told to her uh, that he loved watching star trek and encouraged her to remain on the show keep, she was keep doing it right and the idea that Martin Luther King Jr. got home, had dinner mm-hmm. with his family, and then afterwards sat down on his sofa and watched Star Trek on watched television Star Trek. Oh, had never occurred beautiful. to me, right? Yes. So this book gives me some of that same feeling, like, mm-hmm. you know, when the Montgomery bus boycott started up, mm-hmm. It was because Rosa Parks refused to move from her seat. Right. That impulsive. Yeah. Right. When Mm -hmm. it happened, everybody in Montgomery knew about it almost immediately because someone who was on the bus called one of Rosa Parks' best friends and Mm -hmm. she called a local activist and then he called a lawyer. And it's like, that's exactly how it would happen today. You know, everybody would just, the word would just spread and it spread. Right seemed very modern which it is and i think mm-hmm. we forget that i think i forget i think we tend to forget that these fights were not very long ago and right something that we don't appreciate anyway it's a wonderful like book that. bearing the cross by david j garrow so that mm-hmm. is my recommendation for this week all right all right so next time we are going to be talking about general swintila the, mm-hmm. the hero of the byzantine uh campaign campaign, yes and uh we will talk about his kingship next time on the spanish arpada so join us for that next week i will see you later all right i'll see you too